the music seems a bit sinister for our topic today, which is all about chocolate. It's a billion-dollar industry here in Australia, and you'll know if you go to the supermarket that almost an entire aisle is filled with chocolate varieties, sweets, candies, and lollies. But there's a whole lot more to getting your favourite block on the shelf. There's a lot that puts it together to make it successful. So it's not just the product, it's the packaging, it's the design, making sure people see it. You know, what your competitors are doing at the same time. There's a whole team working behind the scenes. And that's part of myself and my team is making sure we create whatever's next that people want, whether it's bringing back something that we used to make before that people really love. And their job is to eat chocolate every day. I would never get sick of chocolate, no. Hi, I'm Damien Huffenden and welcome to Real Life from 7 News. We all know the purple packaging and the famous glass and a half. We've probably all even picked up a box of favourites to take to a party at one time or another. But there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes to get food products from the idea stage to the supermarket shelf. Cadbury is one of Australia's biggest and most loved chocolate brands and now an insider is lifting the lid on some of those behind the scenes secrets. Helen Ainsworth is the research and development manager for Cadbury here in Australia and she joined me to talk about her job working with and eating chocolate for a living. Hello, Helen. Good morning, Damien. Nice to see you. Now, look, your job seems like a great one, but can you just run through sort of a typical day in your job as the manager of research and development for chocolate? Yeah, look, I look after the chocolate product team here that develop all the amazing products that we we you see under the Cadbury brand um, and other brands within the business here. My day would definitely involve eating chocolate every single day, wow. whether it's an existing product, a new product we're developing, early concepts, you know, all that sort of thing. Um, that's the day-to-day for myself and, and my team. So, yeah. Now, a lot of people would consider this one of the best jobs in the world. How did you get it? Yeah. Look, I got it um, as a young graduate. So I finished a, a science degree in food technology I then got picked up on the graduate program over 30 years ago. Started in the graduate program, went around a few different areas, um, you know, packaging, a bit of QA, all the different sort of areas you can do. And product development was the area that I probably loved the most. So I then have stayed in product development related roles for all of that time. And um, I do truly think I've got the, the best job in the world. So, yeah. Absolutely. Well, over 30 years working with chocolate, that must mean you love it. But do you ever get sick of it? Um, I might get sick of having to eat the same thing over and over again as we're trying <laughs> to get the perfect product. Um, but I couldn't say that I ever get sick of it. I I certainly would miss, miss chocolate if I didn't have it around. And certainly working in lockdown, you know, has meant that I've probably – had less of it than maybe I would when I've in the, been in the office all the time, but we still get the careers and hopefully one doesn't arrive during this podcast at the door, <laughs> delivering one right now and the doorbell goes. But um, yeah, no, I, I still, I've, I would never get sick of chocolate. No, or I wouldn't be doing this job if I couldn't. You have to have that passion for it to be able to do this job. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You've mentioned over 30 years working in it. How has chocolate changed in that time? What have you seen the differences in how things have been made and packaged and produced in that time? Yeah, so we've certainly got more 
more sophisticated in what some consumers want. So it's all about what the consumer wants. We still have our Cadbury dairy milk and the everyday products that people always want and will always be, you know, so popular. But people also want to try different things all the time. And that's part of myself and my team is making sure we create whatever's next that people want, whether it's a trend going into salted caramel, um, whether it's bringing back something that we used to make before that people really love. Um, so I've seen that is one very significant change. The other one would be obviously from a manufacturing perspective, you know, the capability has increased over the years as we've spent capital, um, found better ways to be able to make things so they're more consistent. So that's been a, a, a very big theme. And also as we're, you know, we're a, we're, we're a global company. So, you know, we also share learnings around the world with each other on what different consumer trends are. Um, so that that's all quite important. So it's all linked to what does the consumer want because there's no use developing and launching something the consumer doesn't want. Yeah, for sure. Uh, when you're developing something new, uh, how many iterations could a certain product go through between when it's sort of conceived and when it finally hits yeah. our shelves? And how many people would have to taste that before it hits the public market? Yeah. Yeah, so if it's one of our, our bigger launches, um, that would go through, that could go through anywhere from, you know, five to 20 times. You know, it, honestly, it, it, it varies on every single product and and how complex it is to develop. And, you know, and often it, it's not just myself and my team eating it, it's with the marketing team, it's the sales team, consumer, you know, we have a consumer science team that work with us. And then we also go out to the consumers on some of the products, we'll go out and we'll do research to understand what they liked, what they didn't like. So we might give them a variation of different recipes and and we'll find out what it is they like, what we need to optimise, improve. Um, you know, so we, we don't just launch it just based on a couple of people tasting it. Um, there's a very large number of people that would taste those products. And also when you're doing that research and development for new products, where do some of those ideas come from? Yeah, that can vary. It could come from within my own team. It could come from a brainstorming session. It could come from a marketer, a salesperson. It could come from, you know, we do listen to consumers and what they want, um, you know, particularly if they want something brought back in the past. So that would be such as a marble or a caramel. The consumers wanted it. So where we need to find a way of making sure we can make that again and be comparable the same as what we made previously. Um, it could come from looking at our equipment and saying, we've got this equipment here that we're not using enough. You know, what else could we put on there that we think the consumers could want? So it could come from so many different areas. I think Marble is probably one of those big campaigns that came through from social media over the years. Mm. How many requests did you get for Marble to come back before you went, I think we have to do it? I personally don't have the numbers, but I was following <laughs> those Facebook pages myself of Bring Back Marble, um, having developed Marble myself back in 96 so it's oh, one wow. of my heart so yeah we I certainly um saw all the requests I couldn't tell you the exact numbers but they were significant numbers asking for marble to come back yeah yeah and when you look at something like that do you have to sort of weigh up the large amount of consumer demand on sort of social versus the market in general like does a lot of the public actually want it or is there just sort of a small group on facebook no, we would make sure that it was something that not just a small group want because we need to make sure it's something that it's wanted by the, the wider public. But there was enough there was enough um, feedback on that one. It was really wanted by, by a lot of people. And we also knew it was a, was a really good product. So, you know, we had faith in the product as well. Um, 
so yeah, we just had to make sure that we could get back there and make the product again for the consumers, and it's it's done really well. And we've reiterated it. You know, we've done caramel marble. It's all about evolving it then and making sure that you can keep on pleasing the consumer and bring in new consumers as well. Now, Caramilk was another one that just sort of exploded in supermarkets. Uh, I believe that originated in New Zealand, didn't it? It did. It did. The R&D team in New Zealand originally um, developed that recipe um, and it was originally manufactured in in New Zealand. That's correct. Yeah. And then it exploded over here. And then did you guys have to go, hey, we've got to bring it to Australia? Yeah, then we were like, we've got to be able to make that product here and find a way with, with you know, our equipment and capabilities here of making that same product. So, yeah, we did all the, the hard work to make sure that we could replicate the product properly. And, yeah, it's done extremely well. How many other requests do you think you get from people sort of online, on social media to bring back favourite flavours, favourite chocolates from their past or their childhood? Yeah, look, our... our um customer relations team would get a lot of those some of those get fed through to us some get through fed through to the marketing team so i'm sure i only see a small number of them (laughs) yeah no it's always good to get feedback from our consumers of what they like because it helps us understand you know what we should be considering as future new products absolutely do people also send through their own ideas for new creations or flavors and what they think they want to see new from cadbury they do yeah, we get to see lots of um, some 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 that are possible for us to do. Some that are really ones that you look at and think, "Wow, how would I ever do that?" Yes, <laughs> so we we do get get those ideas. So they're 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 just one of the many inputs of of where we might come up with our our next new products that we can you know that we will launch. Uh, and you mentioned you're a global company, obviously. So Cadbury all over different places have different flavours. Do you also get requests from people to go, hey, they make this in England or they make this over here, you should bring it to Australia? We do, and there's plenty of examples where, you know, we share samples between our R&D teams of here and in the UK, you know, quite often, and it's, you know, they've actually launched things that that we've had here, you know, um, equivalent to our Marvelous Creations and and equivalent to Favourites, you know, all those sort of things. There's there's products where we, we take learnings from each other and we might adapt them to the particular market we're in, but we definitely do that and we do get consumers ask for products that they see, you know, in the UK or, or other other markets around the world. And I'm assuming in the UK they'd get the same, some of the things, you know, that, that we make that, that they want to then make, yeah. Uh, we spoke about Marble uh, and how you were involved in the original uh, launch of that. Mm-hmm. What do you think has been the biggest uh, product launch or uh, product that you've been involved with that you've seen? Um, let me just think. Probably, look, Marble would be right up there. Um, certainly, that's one that's shown some true longevity and, and caramel. Um, those two recent examples, um, we've launched Breakaway this year. So, you know, that's doing particularly well. That's... Um, my team have been heavily involved in bringing that one back with, you know, obviously with our, our manufacturing sites and finding a way to make that again. Um, they're probably some of the, the bigger ones. There's just so many products that I think about over, to be honest, over the last 30 years that I've I've touched um, or my team have touched. It's really hard to sort of pick out one, but I suppose if I was to think of one that probably most proud of over the years would be our original launch of Marble and then my team being able to bring that back again. It does seem like a lot of old things are new again and Cadbury seems to have come into that where some favourites from the past are really making their way back again. Yeah, look, and I think that's it. You've still got, you know, if they're, if they're a good tasting product and, the, you know, the consumers, yeah, the tastes do evolve and, you know, we may have to 
maybe in some cases we might have to evolve and fight for any changes in, in consumer um, feedback. But to be honest, if they've been a good selling product, um, normally there's no reason that they're not going to still sell again. You know, there might have been other reasons outside of the consumer side of it as far as why we at the time deleted it. might have been for manufacturing complexity and now we've found a better way to make it. You know, things like that. So just because we've stopped making a product doesn't mean it wasn't necessarily something the consumer still loved. Now, you working for Cadbury, are you surrounded by Cadbury all the time? Like, are there samples to take home? Are you just sort of taking um, off cuts and <laughs> <laughs> all the bits that you can't sell, just taking them home all the time? Yeah, look, certainly in our factories, the, the products, you know, you, you walk into our Ringwood site and you'll see in the canteen, in the offices, there is chocolate everywhere around for people to try. Um, obviously, on the line, you know, people can't just go and, for, you know, food safety and reasons you don't have people just going and picking up products off the line but they still you know there is a mechanism to take them off and take taste them to make sure they meet the right quality but you know in the factory itself um we don't just go and take them off the line but there's plenty oh, of stuff around <laughs> the offices and everywhere and as i said even working from home i still get the plenty of chocolate here and you know, i'm back in the office a lot more now but you know it's it's you still always have chocolate around you and as a product development person you are always having chocolate whether it's First thing in the morning, you might have to do a tasting, you know, looking at shelf life of products. You know, it, it's pretty constant that you are having to taste products. You, you you, couldn't do the job if you didn't love being able to taste the products and, and check that they were up to the expectations that, you, you know, you want them to be. Yeah, absolutely. Being in research and development, how closely do you watch competitors, Nestle and all those? Like, what do you... Just like they will be watching us, we're always having to watch it. <laughs> you know, we will have, you know, our marketing and sales teams will obviously be really closely watching, you know, what our competitors are doing. And likewise, in R&D, we're doing the same. You know, I would certainly be out there trying all the new products that our competitors bring out. And I'm sure they're doing exactly the same, you know, as we do. Yeah. Now... The Cadbury Glass and a Half, famous, obviously, is that recipe as closely guarded a secret as, sort of, say, the Coca-Cola recipe? Yeah, look, there's parts of our Cadbury Dairy Milk recipe that people don't have access to in our recipe systems globally. It's, it's very restricted access on certain parts of it. We've got a particularly unique process for making our chocolate of Cadbury Dairy Milk, so there are parts of it that we pre keep pretty close um, and quite confidential, you know, and, and Cadbury Dairy Milk is something that's it's iconic for us, you know. It's it's you know it's it's just so important to us, and we keep delivering a consistent tasting product. You know, we've got recipes that are, you know, we have to make sure we follow them and adhere to them, and make sure we keep continuing to make that good quality product. But they're not ones that are accessible to, to to many people at all. So you know, it's made with crumb. You know, people know that that's something quite unique. So there, there's some things that are known to our competitors and our, and sometimes our customers, you know, consumers would understand. You know, it's, it's a different process. You know, we proudly use milk from, from Tasmania, sugar from Queensland, you know, um, our, our cocoa liquor, you know, from, from Ghana. So there's some things that are that are knowns, but then there's other things that we really, um, we do keep very closely guarded, the, the final part of how it all comes together and the process and some of the recipe components. And are you one of the ones with the keys to that castle? I actually have had access to that particular Oh, It's been my time when I worked in the UK for a number of years. So, yes, I am one of those privileged ones that um, have had access to that information. So, yes. Is the operation here in Australia very similar to one in the UK? 
yeah, look, you could walk into a factory in the UK and walk into one here and there's so many similarities, where, you know, whether it be from a food safety perspective, you know, a lot of the processes are the same, how we make certain things. Um, obviously, there's unique bits between different markets, um, but fundamentally, the making of the chocolate is, is pretty pretty, pretty similar between the markets, yes. Oh, cool. You mentioned before as well that sometimes you go to the public to taste test new products. How do you recruit the public for that? How can people get involved if they want to be on the cutting edge of new chocolate yeah. tech? So we do that through agencies, through, um, so they really, to be honest, go out and do the recruitment. We tell them what we need the consumers to, to meet, what requirements, whether it's, you know, frequent users of particular products, you know, how often do they eat them? They all have to then meet that criteria. So they would be filling in surveys as to how often they eat a, how often do you eat a block of Cadbury chocolate? You know, how often do you eat a cherry ripe? You know, and then they will then filter them out to find the ones that meet the criteria that we particularly want. Um, you know, certain demographics as well, ages, you know, males, female, we want to make sure we've got the particular balance. It might be a particular target market we're looking at for a particular lot of research. So we might have a particular demographic that we're asking for. Um, yeah, so it's not as simple as just picking people off in the shopping centre and doing it. Um, those agencies do a really good job of, of meeting the criteria we want. Then we then have them tasting the product, it might be blind, they may not know what they're eating, they may be eating a competitor product, you know, it, it's a multitude of different things. Um, and then they provide us back with the, the results and based on that we then either tweak the product that we put forward, you know, might launch it as it is, might not go ahead with it depending on the result, you know. But it, normally by the time we've got to our consumer research, we're pretty comfortable that it's going to be something that's, that's going to win and we're just quantifying that really. Now, I guess before we wrap things up, if there was one Cadbury product that you could eat only for for the rest of your life, what do you think you'd choose? You're going to think I'm really boring. Um, <laughs> I would probably, if I had to pick one that was for all the time, I would still say Cadbury Dairy Milk, believe it or not. Just the straight dairy um, milk. Yeah, because I, I love all the other ones. As they, oh, look, I have to say, I'm obviously a pretty big fan of Marvel. Um, obviously, you've got some personal attachment to that one. But if I had to pick one, for all, for all time, um, it would still be the Cadbury Dairy Milk. Um, but I would certainly miss not being able to have all the the variations of that which you like to then have, and some of those might become in part of your core repertoire that you particularly like having. Um, but, you know, anything with the Cadbury Dairy Milk, honestly, is, is certainly my, my preference. And do you know which is still the best-selling, like, block or variant these Cadbury days? Dairy milk. It's just the plain, plain dairy, dairy milk. milk. Yeah, yeah, look, there's a lot of others up there. You know, Marble's really popular. A lot of our nut ones are very popular. Um, and that's where we've got so many in our range. So I think we cater for, I think that's, you know, we've got such a benefit that we cater for people if they like a caramello, a soft centre. Do they want a fruit and nut? Um, do they want something that's a little bit more different and interesting? Some of the products we bring out, which might only come in and out for a year, just something to try, something different. So I think that really what we do so well is cater for every single one's taste. And then there's people who like dark chocolate, white chocolate, caramel milk, you know. We just, I think that's something and that makes it really interesting as a product developer because you can play around with all the chocolates, all the centres, all the new inclusions. There's just so much you can you can play around with and create, um, you know, so hence why it's really fun. <laughs> One more, I guess I want to throw in there. Is there something that uh, you or your team thought this is going to be great and then either in testing or maybe in sales, it just went, uh-oh. 
kablooey. There probably has been, but there's probably not one <laughs> I'm about to share with you. <laughs> I'm going to be transparent. There's been a couple that probably haven't gone as well as we may like, but they're usually for other reasons than there's more than just the product delivery. It's whether you've got your distribution right, um, whether, you know, if you don't get your distribution right in your supermarkets or the position on the shelf, you know, there's so much more to it, you know, your price point right. Um, there's a lot that puts it together to make it successful. So it's not just the product. It's the packaging. It's the design, making sure people see it, um, you know, what your competitors are doing at the same time. So there, there's there's been a couple that obviously haven't gone as well as, as we like. Um but generally, I think we, we, we're we reasonably good at, at, you know, doing our research and understanding our consumers and customers to know which ones are going to do well. And, yeah, so I think we have a pretty good accuracy rate there. Well, I have to say, I've enjoyed the uh, pineapple Freddos that came out <laughs> recently. <laughs> Amazing. They're and amazing. the return of the strawberry Freddo. Interesting, you know, because that's something that consumers wanted. Um, you know, we did it into a, it's, as you probably know, there's a pineapple sitting in our snack block. But people yeah. wanted a pineapple block, and so we did release that, but only did it in certain customers. And that was one where a lot of our consumer relations team got quite a bit of feedback that they wanted that to be available everywhere. And I personally have friends who would ask me, where can I find that, that pineapple block? So then to put it into the Freddo, it's done really, really well. Um, Delicious. You know, and strawberry Freddo, hey, oh. I, I'm actually a bit of a fan of that because it just gives you that small <laughs> unit. Sometimes you don't want a whole you know, something large, you just want something to be able to just have a, a quick, a quick one sample. Quick hit. Yeah. And that's, you know, strawberry freddo is, is something that meets that need. Well, if you're ever looking for taste testers, the seven <laughs> newsroom is always willing to be there for you. That's one thing we're not usually short on. People love taste. <laughs> Except no doubt. we have to do one at eight o'clock in the morning. We're like, really? Can we do it a bit later? <laughs> uh, let, let's make chocolate for breakfast a thing. I think it's good. So do I. I think you can eat it any time, <laughs> any time of day. <laughs> Helen, thank you so much for sharing a few of the secrets, but also being so candid. Uh, we've enjoyed it. Thank you so much. No problems. You're welcome, Damien. Well, special thanks to Helen and the team from Cabri for their time for that chat. Don't forget to subscribe and follow to get more real-life podcasts as they drop. And you can find out more at 7news.com.au forward slash real life. For 7 News, I'm Damien Huffenden, and this has been Real Life. <laughs>